0: Welcome to Holy Smoke, the spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damian Thompson. On the morning after the Islamist terror attack on Westminster, MPs and peers were addressed by the director of resettlement programmes for 12,000 displaced Christians in northern Iraq, whose lives and ancient culture have been devastated by ISIS. Stephen Rasher told them that the situation of these Christians is now unbelievably desperate. They'll run out of medicine in 45 days. Significantly, this is a community systematically ignored by the United Nations Commissioner for Human Rights and US aid agencies who, according to some critics, refuse to acknowledge this genocide because they don't want to be seen to be privileging Christians. I'm joined by Stephen Rasher and by John Pontifex from the charity Aid to the Church in Need, and Christina Adone, a director of the Legatum Institute think tank. Stephen, what's the current status of these people?
1: Well, they're in in a state of uh, uh, very desperate limbo. They're historic... Uh towns have been quote-unquote liberated, but uh, most of these towns are destroyed and uh, full of booby traps and unexploded ordnance in a very difficult situation in terms of what the command and control structure is. And so the people don't know whether they can move back to their homes, whether they can think about moving back to their homes, whether they should stay in the refugee situations, the displaced person situations. And they are out of money. Most of them had no money when they left. Uh, and the money that we have to take care of them, it's over 12,000 families, in terms of food, shelter, medicine, all of these things, we are running out of money to take care of them. And uh, the situation that, that they're facing, uh, especially as we come on to the summer, is a real decision on whether they should stay any longer or join the diaspora and, and, and lead to... Uh, and if, uh, if they go, that's it, really, that's it, not that, it? That's it. Their their, their population is down down to about 200,000, from up uh, over 1.5 million in 2003. And that number may be lower than 200,000. We've kept them in the region, in the Erbil region, for these last three years on the hope that they would be able to rebuild at some point and now that ISIS is being pushed out everybody's being forced to come to grips with what that decision will be.
0: Now let's be clear you're employed by the local Chaldean Catholic archdiocese which is looking after these people. Money is coming from among other sources aid to the church in need but money is not coming from the United Nations and it's not coming from American aid agencies now
1: this strikes many of us as shocking. Well, uh, we think it should. The uh, the people from uh, the UN and AID w- would answer that they're following policy and they're following what they uh, call a, an individual needs policy, which is designed to be blind to religion, blind to faith, and, and simply look at people based on what their their strict yeah. individual yeah. need is. And their assessment is that the private Christian aid groups are doing such a good job of taking care of the Christians, that they exceed the minimum standards of of the UN aid disposition. Our response to that is looking at the Christians as a, a group, that is uh, on the verge of extinction, the victims of a horrific genocide, uh, people uh, about to disappear. You can't simply say, well, on an individual needs basis, uh, you folks look okay because it's a...
0: Well, you, Stephen, understandably perhaps have to be a bit diplomatic about this, but what I'm picking up is that the United Nations is biased against faith groups and especially reluctant to help Christian and perhaps especially reluctant to help Catholic displaced Absolutely.
2: At the Legatum Institute mm-hmm. we are looking at the big movements of people and refugees in particular and what we found again and again is aid workers and charities like Aid to the Church in Need doing the most extraordinary amount of work, all of them reporting that the UN has a fig leaf of you know we mustn't help anybody of any religion but that, uh, beneath that fig leaf lies a really pronounced hostility to Christian groups in general and Catholic groups in particular. When the victims of genocide are Muslims, when the victims of atrocities are gays, the machinery of the UN, the machinery of USID gets absolutely moving. When, however, the victims are mere Catholic families, nothing happens.
0: John Pontifex from Age of the Church in Need, do you think there's something in that?
3: I think there is. The responsibility of aid to the church in need is to make clear how it is that Christians are suffering in similar terms to others in many cases, but also to indicate the degree to which their suffering is, in some instances, a great deal worse. And when I've travelled to Iraq and seen the situation on the ground, and heard testimonies of people who came within a gnat's breadth of being killed for their faith, both there and also in Syria, I mean we had one story that was told of how a chap who re- re- was forced to pay jizya, Islamic tax as a Christian, as were all the Christians, couldn't pay his tax and for failing to do so he was hit on the back of a head with the butt of a rifle. He was then carted off to prison and then placed on a cross in a, in his cell and bound head and foot to that cross. And it's only a British bomb, so he told me, that actually saved his life because it landed close to where he was being held and everyone scattered to the four winds and he was able to break free. So there is this direct attempt to wipe, wipe out Christianity. Especially in the Middle East. Especially in the Middle East. It's an agenda there that we have seen with our own eyes from the testimonies we've heard, from the evidence on the ground, the desec- deliberate desecration of churches and statues... Uh, for example, I saw with my own eyes in Aleppo at the work of ISIS, obviously at work in Iraq as well, a cross in a church where clearly somebody had been shooting at the cross in this chapel. You could see where the uh, bullet holes were and you could see where they'd locked the hands off of the cross so they, they hung limp without obviously being joined to the main body, the main trunk, and these hands were sort of waving almost at you. Almost hideously
0: barbaric treatment. Indeed, well, we've talked about the UN's secular agenda but of course that is that is nothing compared to the anti-christian agenda of islamists and it was a very poignant coincidence that Stephen russia should be addressing mps and peers the morning after an attack by an islamist to what extent do you think that islamism has stepped up it's a specific hostility to christianity that clearly has been part of its tradition for a very long time
3: Well, if we look at the situation in Iraq, and I've been looking at the situation in Iraq for a good 15 years now, there was a clear attack by then Al-Qaeda to attack Christianity. We saw uh, there there were simultaneous attacks on churches in 2004, in August, where eight churches got attacked. So this isn't suddenly blown up out of nowhere. There is a, a definite history. But what we can see now is that they have made it very, very clear, ISIS that they want to eradicate Christianity. They've stated to Christians, what are you doing here? There's time for you to go.
1: Stephen, what do Iraqi Christians tell you about this? In, in terms of uh, what their view is on this, uh, they're dealing with complete, I think, an utter sense of betrayal and mistrust in terms of the fact that when they were uh, being attacked by ISIS, it was in many cases their neighbors uh... muslim neighbors who had been their neighbors for many many years who, in fact, turned on them. And this was especially true in Mosul. And because of this reason, it's it's highly, highly unlikely that any Christians will look to return to, to Mosul. The, the the trust is is just gone there. The, the towns that they're potentially looking at going back to are those towns that were majority Christian or wholly or Christian. Uh, but the history of Christians in Iraq is a long history of persecution for many hundreds of years at the hands of, of many different people, but uh, this last situation has probably closed the door for Christians in Mosul. Forever. For the, the foreseeable future, the the trust is just so far gone.
2: But surely the Christians in Iraq must also be feeling betrayed by us, by the West, by Christians in the West, by governments in the West, who are not lifting a finger to help. And what can we do? And do you think that perhaps, actually, the fact that you came to speak in the House of Commons yesterday, the day after this horrific atrocity was perpetrated by an ISIS disciple, do you think that that might finally motivate this government to move and help? Christians in Iraq and elsewhere in the Middle East?
1: Well, answering the last question first, uh, we certainly hope so. I think that uh, uh, without question the timing of our visit in the context of the tragedy which uh, had just occurred brought into very sharp focus that this is not just an isolated thing for Christians in the Middle East, that this is, uh, we are all in this fight together and there is a, a sense of solidarity that perhaps can come from it. And we did feel that from the members of Parliament and the members of the government that we spoke with in these last two days, certainly. So we we hope that something will come. But I'm sorry,
0: I've heard that before, I'm afraid, over the years. John? I think that the
3: evidence now amounting to show the extent to which Christianity in Iraq hangs by a thread. We've been able to state the case over the last two or three days, both to parliamentarians and to government. Officials, in a way that puts the, puts the case very clearly. It's either do, either do, do something about it, or repent at leisure. And this has been against backdrop of figures within government, figures close to government, definitely mm-hmm. urging government to act. So the ground has been softened, and for that reason, we're now more hopeful than we were before of a change. But I accept fully that the backdrop to this is disappointment in the past, But we can but hope.
0: Do you think that the May government and, indeed, the Trump administration might be more sympathetic than their predecessors to the plight of these Christian communities?
3: The indications are that certainly the May administration will be, and quite possibly the Trump administration as well. And it seemed to have been indicative that in a Shrove Tuesday statement, the Prime Minister did specifically highlight the persecution of Christians, saying... Directly, that more should be done, and that has echoed down the corridors of power within government.
1: Stephen, following up on that, I I was uh, I was in uh, Iraq on the uh, the date of the U.S. presidential election, and I can tell you that the uh, support amongst the Christian population in Iraq was was 100% for Trump. They were quite pleased that he had won, and the reason for that was solely because they felt they had been completely abandoned by the prior administration that the prior administration had turned a deaf ear to them and that uh, they sensed in uh, President Trump that uh, he would uh, make them a different level of uh, priority and that the support for him was overwhelming well will President Trump follow through ah uh, this is uh, the Trump administration uh, I think has, uh, has uh, got its hands full mm. trying to get its arms uh, around quite a few different things, we are hopeful. We've seen indications, there have been preliminary overtures, and, and we remain hopeful, but uh, yet to be seen. Speaking on a point earlier, though, about the sense of betrayal of the, the Christians as it regards the West, it's split. On the one hand, they feel an extreme sense of solidarity with the private organizations that are representative of the people of the West, such as Aid to Church in Need but uh, Caritas and and other groups, uh, Jesuit Refugee Service, a whole slew of others that they have seen on the ground doing doing real work. So in that sense, is solidarity with the other uh, other churches and their fellow Christians and and good-hearted people around the world. On the other hand, they all know that they have not received aid from the US government, from the UK government, from the UN, they know that. So the, it's really split, It's a, in terms of uh, solidarity with peoples around the world, there is a real sense of that. And uh, why do they think the UN has not helped them? So in terms of the, the Christians wondering, understanding why they're being betrayed, I think there's a general sense that they uh, feel that they're just uh, being treated as acceptable collateral damage in everyone else's foreign policy. Stephen Rusher, John Pontifex, Christina
0: Rodoni, thank you very much. And don't forget, Holy Smoke is The Spectator's new religion podcast. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcasts,
1: but don't miss it.